Hey, babe, as always, I'm so happy you're here. You're listening to episode 81 of the Beam Life podcast with guest and author Lauren Schwarzfeld. I absolutely adore this episode. And even though it's called Motherhood Unboxed, we talk about so much more than just motherhood. So Even if you're not a mama yet or don't desire to be a mama ever, there is so much for you in this episode about life in general and just learning to trust yourself. In fact, that is part of the subtitle of Lauren's new book called Unboxed, Essays on Learning to Trust Myself to Stop Doing the Things I Hate, already by the title you know, I was instantly hooked and I was lucky enough to be able to work with Lauren on her book project um, through the uh, publishing company I do some work for, Launchpad. And we just had such a great time getting to know each other. But from the get-go, I felt connected to her in a way that I knew the Beam Life community would so resonate with her story. Lauren has taken many roads in her life from being a stay-at-home mom to an accounting professional to a direct sales representative and even a doula. None of them quite felt like her though. And she always just had that inkling, like why can't she just be happy with what she had? And, you know, she went out to find those answers. And that is what she shares with us on today's episode and in her new book, which you can get on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and most place books are sold. I will also link that in the show notes. But um, yeah, this is just an inspiring and incredible episode that you're going to love. So buckle up. Let's go, babe. Hey, Beam Babe. Welcome to the Beam Life Podcast where we are all about honoring your truth, prioritizing your passions, and unlocking your potential. Let's go. I'm your host, Caitlin, and it's my calling in life to create this community of like-minded, kick-ass women ready to make moves and live a life they are obsessed with. So if you're ready to be everything and more, babe, let's get this party started. Hey, Lauren. How are you, girl? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you. I um, was telling listeners in the intro how much fun I had working on this book because it is so relevant to the beam life and everything that we talk about here. And you are a woman who can talk about many different topics, but specifically today, I really wanted to focus on motherhood. You know, that's why we're called Motherhood Unboxed, also the title of your book. So um, yeah, let's let's kind of get right into that. But before we do, I'd love for you to share a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so I, well, now that I've published a book, I feel comfortable saying I'm a writer. <laughs> um, Hell yes. Yes, I am. Um, I'm a writer. I'm a life coach. Um, I have a gaggle of kids, a husband. Um, you know, I've always sort of struggled with like the who are you and what do you do? Because I'm kind of like, I'm just, I'm just me. Right. Um, but the things that I love doing are writing, coaching, um, and, um, you know, I'm sort of active in my community and, and I really love to kind of 
be around people and feed off the energy of other people and ask questions. I love that. Yeah, it's kind of the best part about being a coach, right, is being curious and um, helping people discover that. And I really feel like that's kind of what your book does through your stories and essays. Um, It provokes the reader to sort of think about things in their own life. So tell me a little bit about like what this process was like for you and why you decided to basically collect all these essays, write all these essays and make it a book. Yeah. So, you know, I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always felt like I had things to say. More than that, I feel like I've always, um, it's kind of the way I process things. Writing ends up feeling like that thing that's so deeply personal for me that when I'm sort of overwhelmed or stuck, the the words just kind of flow so much easier um, when I'm writing as opposed to when I'm trying to verbalize them to someone else. Um, and so I found myself, you know, over the years, I've wanted to be a writer since I was like five years old. Um, <laughs> in the book, I tell like a funny story of how when I was eight, I asked for a word processor for Christmas, um, which is sort of a strange I love that. gift for an eight-year-old to be asking for, but I loved this thing. It made me so happy. Um, and, you know, I sort of stepped away from it for like reasons of being logical and doing the things that I thought made sense. Um, but the more I started to write as an adult and then put the words out there, the more I felt like they were resonating with people who were reading them with other moms, with other women, with people who were just sort of maybe asking the same questions, but not necessarily knowing that they were asking the questions or sort of feeling like they had something that they wanted to ask. And I was kind of helping bring about the, the words that they were looking for. Um, you know, it's interesting that you specifically said curiosity a few minutes ago, because I was just going through this values exercise of like writing out what my values are as like a person, as a business owner. Um, and curiosity is always at the top of that list. Curiosity without judgment. Um, and so that's, the thing that I really try to bring into all these things, and I found that it kept sort of, I think that's the piece that kept resonating. Um, and, you know, writing a book has been like a bucket list dream of the things that I always wanted to do. And at some point, probably about two years ago, Every time I sat down to write anything, to write a blog post, to write a social media caption, like a book was coming out of me. It was like, Mm. let me caption this photo of my kids. And suddenly I'm like, oh, well, that's 3000 words. So maybe that's not quite a (laughs) (laughs) Facebook caption. That's actually a chapter in a book. Um, And it just, you know, I think... I think we're kind of conditioned to like make logical decisions and be like, well, maybe now is not the right time to write a book. And I long since sort of stopped doing things like that. And I was like, I I think it actually is when every time I pick up my phone to like write a note of groceries and a chapter comes out, like that's a good indication that that a book is brewing. (laughs) 
I love that so much. And it's super inspirational, especially to me. I know I shared with you that like I desire to write a book because truly each one of our lives are unique. So it's, it's, um, and you know, I, I, I always hear everyone has a story in them. Everyone has a book in them. It's just a matter of like being able to get it out of us. And I really love the way that you did that for yourself. And then we're able to share these stories and things in ways that, um, it wasn't just reading about you. It felt very like also personal because they're relatable stories. Um, and like I said, specifically being a mom and, you know, we're approaching Mother's Day this weekend. So it feels like, um, a topic, you know, on my heart right now, because being a mom for me is not natural. Um, I always tell people, never ask me for motherhood advice. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but then I realize I'm not sure anyone does. <laughs> and, you know, when I connect, whether it's with people through reading their books or like this in person, um, I find solidarity in that and I find that I'm not alone in this and it's so comforting. And um, yeah, that's why I I wanted to focus on motherhood with you today because I feel like the way you talk about it is in a way that feels like I can be a part of the tribe too. And I'm not like this perfect mom um, that we only see on social media. So tell me for you, like, why was it in all of these things that you talk about from careers, relationships, you know, and then you know, you bring in this parenting aspect. You also talk about personal growth and body image and all that stuff. But why was parenting specifically important for you to include in this? So what's interesting is that for a really long time, I never wrote about parenting. I never wrote really about being a mom. I had sort of complicated feelings they shouldn't have been com the feelings themselves weren't complicated how I processed them were um was I I found motherhood from a practical standpoint from like my comfort level with newborn babies and babies and pregnancy I found all of that to come very very naturally um I've never read a parenting book I don't think I've ever really asked for parenting advice um, and I almost, I almost had this like guilt around it where people would ask me like, oh, how'd you potty train your kid? Or how'd you do this? Or how'd you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. It just worked out really well. And so I almost like felt guilty about it in a way where I was like, well, you know, my kids are, you know, healthy, able-bodied, just everything about them felt easy. Um, in a way where I sort of felt guilty, like, well, other people have it, it's hard for some people. And so why would I try to give advice? And maybe it's just like easy for me, but not easy for other people. And so I, I had these really strange feelings around it. And then I kind of, I think kind of came to this realization that, yes, I am very blessed by, you know, the health and, and everything like that of my kids. And the fact that we don't have any, you know, major challenges that we're working with, but also that the way that I parented, that the way that I parent and the relationship I have with my kids is really, really deliberate. Um, it, it isn't, 
I didn't get my parenting information from a book. And so because I just kind of like listened to myself and followed my intuition on things, it it came really naturally in a way where um, I didn't second guess myself. I didn't feel like I needed to be controlling as a parent. Um, you know, I think as I sort of stopped thinking about myself as a parent and kind of like looking at the landscape of what parenting books look like, the way there's so much mom guilt and mom shame and like all of that completely unnecessary, debilitating terribleness that we throw around. Um, <laughs> I realized that, that as I was getting more comfortable with myself, I was getting more comfortable as a parent. Um, I think as we feel, as we feel less secure in what we're doing, we kind of try to control things more. Um, I personally, like when I feel like things are getting a little out of control or I'm not necessarily feeling secure in how I'm standing in situations that I try to like hang on to the power and like in a way that feels frenetic and unnatural and um, doesn't allow for curiosity. And that sort of balanced with this idea that as a parent, you have so much power, like so much power over these people. Um, yeah. And, and realizing that I could use this power in a way where I'm like trying to micromanage and control everything my kids are doing and how they're doing it and what they look like and what they dress like, you know, all of these things, or I could use this power to kind of, help them be curious and figure out what and who they are. Um, and it, I would say the two sort of started to happen in tandem as I realized that I was doing the same thing in kind of all aspects of my life. I never, I never necessarily put forward this like very clear idea of what my kids were going to be like of what I was going to be like as a mom, of what like our house would be like. Um, you know, I say the same thing about my marriage. Like I never, I never saw this like perfect vision of what my family would be like, or, you know, I never like painted a picture and then tried to get us to fit into it. And because of that, it left a lot of space for everyone to kind of figure out what, what works for them. Um, you know, I mean, I right now have two kids who competitively dance, which is very strange to me. <laughs> I am like, not at all musically awesome. inclined. I don't dance like nothing. It's sort of strange to me that they, that they got to that point and yet they're amazing at it. Um, I could probably get on a stage in front of all those people and talk about something, but certainly not <laughs> dancing. <laughs> Um, and so it's really interesting. I think, you know, I think we, we second guess ourselves because there's so much out there of like what you should be doing. And I mean, Pinterest was like very new when I first had babies, but I, you know, it, there's so many layers of like the things that should, that, that oh, yeah. kind of, 
bog you down into like, what do you mean you didn't, whatever it is of like the latest trend on Pinterest or Instagram or whoever's doing what. And it's so hard to be like, oh, I didn't do that. Was I supposed to do that? I didn't know I was supposed, I didn't, I didn't know that's what a first birthday party is supposed to be like. I didn't know that, like all of these things can just feel really overwhelming. And, and if you're trying to, you know, drop yourself and your kids and your family into this picture of what you think it's going to be like, you lose sight of everything else that could be possible. Oh, that's a big, big, big quote right there. Um, I love that you just, you were like fire, fire, fire. And then like, I'm just going to drop this last bomb on you right there. (laughs) Um, Hey babe, sorry to interrupt, but I know you won't be disappointed because I have a gift that I want you to snag immediately in the show notes. You will find the link to my say bye to burnout free five day mini training series. Now, if you have been following me or listen to my podcast, you know that I am obsessed with giving you the tools you need to ditch all the chaos and live your most authentic and best life. So before we get back to the episode, I want you to do one thing for me. Imagine what it would be like to have more time for yourself to do the things you love, to be present in the place that you're in and not thinking about who or what needs you at the moment. You know, what would it be like to have healthy boundaries in your personal and work life and to stop living a life dedicated to a to-do list? Pretty nice, huh? Well, you're going to love this series. It's designed just with you in mind and loaded with value, journal prompts, tips, inspirational stories, and infused with so much support that you'll actually feel like you have me as your one-on-one life coach in your back pocket. And the best news is it's totally free. So make sure, go to the show notes, download the link, and I want to help you get to the other side of burnout. Now back to the episode. You said so much good stuff there, especially, you know, to me, what this big thing that you're talking about is expectations, basically. Um, And it's so freaking true. And I talk about it all the time, even with my clients, about how expectations is the number one thing that often let people down. Um, But I think we don't even realize it, that we're doing it as mothers or parents, like, ever. Like, you know, like you said, we're seeing things and we paint this picture and then we try to do the opposite, fit in versus paint the picture together. Yeah. I mean, and the expectations that we have are so deeply ingrained. Um, they're sort of like, typically one of the first exercises I do with new clients is going through this like process of, um, of figuring out the lies that we tell ourselves. And they come from expectations from around us, expectations that we have of ourselves, but they all really boil down to like these beliefs that are just deeply ingrained in either in us or in the people around us that kind of infiltrate us um, in ways where it it's just so counterproductive. You're like doing these things that you hate to live up to these expectations to fulfill some like higher meaning and none of it's yours. Like you, none of it is yours. Like, yeah, it's really crazy. Like, I mean, I'm sure you've read the four agreements, but 
the first time I read that through that book, I think I read it 10 times and I get something new every time, but it's exactly this whole principle of we just build these lies upon lies upon lies upon lies, but we believe it all. Like we are so like we march to this beat and this is how it's going to be. And it, we don't even realize that where we picked it up from, we're just like, well, this is the way it is. And this is how we have to do it. So it's, it's mind blowing when you start to break through some of that stuff. It really is. And then, you know, if you aren't consciously aware of these things, you aren't consciously thinking is, do I really believe this? Is this really what I want? If you aren't constantly asking yourself that question, you're just sort of living on autopilot letting these expectations, these very like subtle things that you don't even think about, they're just there. You see it all the time with things around like, I mean, body image, like everything to do about weight and body image and, you know, what it means to be masculine, what it means to be feminine. Like, it's just, it's everywhere. And it's so, you know, we also live in this like very fast paced, constantly moving world where if you, if you don't slow things down to actually ask the question, you just keep moving through and you're fueled on these like old beliefs, old expectations, like ingrained things that that don't belong to you. Yeah. You know, even going back to masculine, feminine, and breaking down things that we believe. For me and myself, you know, when I started dating my partner, who's non-binary, my whole concept of gender construct and everything I had believed and every, it feels like now that that was so archaic to me that I ever believed certain ways because, and even now be. I'm still broken open every day, learning new concepts and new ways to break from some of these things that were just told and believed. And it's like, well, yeah, duh, that's how it is. And um, it doesn't have to be that way. And going back to sort of our first thing that we talked about was curiosity is being okay to be curious. It doesn't mean you have to believe something else. It means let me just look into what it would mean to think differently about how I do, right? Yeah. Or even think like, I wonder what I think about this. I wonder what I actually think (laughs) about this. I wonder how I actually feel about, you know, what exercise looks like. I wonder what I actually think about like how my relationship with my kids could be. I wonder what I actually think about these things. There's, there's things we don't really ask ourselves. Like, how do I want to be a parent? Yeah. They ask you those questions when you're pregnant or in like the very newborn phase and it's sort of like attachment parenting or, you know, I don't know what the other one is, um, but like bottle feeding or breastfeeding, like all of these things yes. that are very like tangible, practical application of things. Um, and then it sort of stops. Then like you have a toddler and it's like, okay, well now you've answered all of the difficult parenting philosophical questions. Have at it. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's yeah. not, it's not where it is. And, you know, a lot of the work that I've done over the last 
handful of years sort of on myself and in my coaching practice is really is really as a model um, for my kids. And I don't say like a lot of times people are like, I'm doing this for my kids. Like I'm doing this because this is what I like totally. to do. Um, but this idea, and I had said this, I don't know, in 2018 or 2019 was the first time I joined like a legit coaching program that I was part of. Um, it was expensive. It was, you know, it was like totally outside of my comfort zone. It didn't entirely work for my family, but it was really, really important to me. And I was, I think in my like intro call in, in that group, I said something like, I would literally bend over backwards and move mountains for my kids for a thing that was really important to them. And I'm going to do the same thing for myself. Like Uh, this idea, this idea that once you become part of a couple and you drop down a little bit on the priority list, and then once you have kids and you drop down a little bit further is really distressing to me. And I'm, I'm sure that there are people who find it, you know, self-serving and, and whatnot, but like we matter <laughs> whether we have kids or not, like whether we're part of a couple, like sometimes we do the things that I want to do. And sometimes like we go on vacation and my kids are like, we don't want to do this. And I'm like, it's my vacation too. Like, hi, yeah. I'm your mom. <laughs> and also I'm a person <laughs> like, I get to be part of this. Oh my God. I am loving everything right now. This is so good. You know, I don't, uh, there are obviously like, I hate making lunches and my alarm still goes off at 530 every morning and I make lunches and I get kids up and like, you know, hurry them along yes. and brush teeth and put, like all the things. Um, but I also get to be a person. And I think it's really important for my kids to see me being a person. I think it like changes the way they center themselves in everything. Um, and it also gives them a thing to look towards that, like you get to grow and continue being a person. I, Literally, I'm like, okay, we need to just quote this whole podcast because I talk about this all the time and I think it's so – it lights me up when I find another woman who feels very similarly to the way I do because oftentimes I'm like the opposite where I feel guilty. You know, a lot of moms feel guilty if they're not serving. I feel guilty because I'm like – I just want to do me and I feel like I do too much of me that I am like not a good mom. And then I realize, well, not a good mom to who? You know what I mean? It's like, why do I feel this way? And it's so true. We're people and we don't have to stop living because we get married or because we have a career or because we are parents, you know, and I have realized this because I got stuck in the other way. And this is kind of a good segue into what I kind of wanted to know how this happened for you is at some point, I feel like, you know, especially the women that come to work with me and I'm sure with you, both of us being life coaches at some point, 
whether it's after marriage, career, children, those are usually the big three, or even the loss of a loved one. Grief can do this too. We feel like this is it. Like, sure, it'd be cool to do something else. Like, it'd be cool to travel to those places, or it would be cool to start that business, or it would be cool to start dating again, or, you know, have kids like this. But it's just kind of done for me. Like, this is just really kind of how it is. And this is how marriage is. And this is how motherhood is. And it is what it is. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And um, we forget that it's okay to want more. And that's why I named the Beam Life, Be Everything and More and Beam. And it's important for me to talk about how that happened for you. Because you talk a lot about in your essays, in your book about you know, this, you know, perfection and body image and all these things we've sort of talked about, but how did it look like at that point where you're just like, I need to flip this script and it's okay for me to want more from my life. Like what did that transition look like for you? Yeah. So it looked like a lot of years of being cranky. Um, I, (laughs) I'm like perpetually kind of antsy. Um, I I like to do new things. I'm not afraid of change. I, you know, my I'm 41 and I think my longest job I've ever had is like three and a half years. Like I just, which is funny because my husband is 46 and is at basically his same job since he graduated from college. Um, <laughs> Stability. Yeah, <laughs> we complement each other well. Um, so I'm always sort of, have this like antsy kind of feeling of like, I wonder what exciting thing I'm going to do next. Uh, You know, and I talk about this sort of the various career iterations I had um, over a 10 year span, even now friends of mine are like, but I'm like, Oh yeah. When I used to work at a salon and they're like, you, how many jobs have you had? What? So the answer is a lot. Um, But I get sort of antsy and curious and like want to try new things. And and I don't feel like held back or uncomfortable by trying new things. Um, but so I, I found myself feeling antsy, feeling like I want to be doing something different. I want to be doing something a little bit more. And in the times when I was feeling that life was really, really good. Um, I didn't go back to my corporate job after I had my second baby. I still kept my kids in daycare part time. Um, I, you know, we weren't financially like it, it was an easy sort of transition to make. Um, and so nothing, nothing was really difficult about my life. And I was so deeply uncomfortable and so cranky and just kind of like, and also feeling like a jerk, feeling completely ungrateful. Like this is a situation that so many people would love to be in. Like literally all I have to do is, is whatever I want. And, um, and so I felt like a jerk. I felt like I was being selfish and there was like this guilt of like, well, why don't I want to be a stay at home mom? So it turns out it's not for everyone and I am terrible. Definitely at not. No, my husband would get home and be like, no one's wearing pants and the house is a mess. 
what did you do all day? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. We were cuddling on the couch. Whatever. Like, it just, yeah. it, it was not me. It was not me at all. Um, but I felt really guilty because I felt like I had everything. Nothing was bad. And I kept being like, what if I do this? What Like, I'm constantly like, let's shake things up a little. Um, and it took... It took a lot of, you know, my husband's incredibly supportive and was sort of like, great, let's try this thing. Let's try this thing. Um, I think when I, so in 2017, I stopped drinking and that again was like not anything big and traumatic. Um, and I was talking to a friend who said, it's like you created a high bottom. So this idea of like, when you're at a rock bottom, it is obvious to the world like everything is obvious to the world whether it's like a marriage rock bottom a career rock bottom a drinking rock bottom like it is obvious there's no one's gonna be like well you can just keep going the way you are like no one's gonna say that for me in my life at this time like with my kids when I was drinking no one would have been like girl you need to change something it wasn't, right, right. it wasn't that obvious. And so I didn't have the world saying like, are you going to do something? Um, and so I created this high bottom and I was able to kind of wrap my head around like, I do want more. I don't have to wait for things to be terrible to get to a place where I want more. And, and it was real. it like, it changed everything because it felt like such a, perm- it, it felt like permission to just sort of yes. dictate what you want, but almost like looking at things in a vacuum, not looking at like this big picture. I think we sometimes like look at this big picture and think like, well, everything's good. Everything's great. Everything's fine. Yes. You don't drink more than other people. You have this nice, like all we look at this big picture and it sort of tricks us out of asking ourselves what we really think it tricks us out of like digging into this specific moment like yes my life is wonderful and great and things are fantastic and also I do want to work just not in finance and I do want to work just like it just it sort of opens this idea of of things don't have to be bad to want more it also requires something that's that that is um, you can't look for external validation in these kinds of things. Like your high bottom is is built on trusting yourself. Like intuition, baby. All intuition. of it. Like there's just there's no you know, I could never have looked at, at somebody at like the playground with my kids and been like all right I gotta do something else they'd be like what are you talking about like everything's great like you don't get this external validation you don't get there's no social proof for things needing to change and so it the work that goes into being able to make those decisions is like the most powerful of the things because it really has to come from within like you have to believe that it's okay to want more. You have to believe that 
you can try something and it'll be okay. Like you, you have to build that belief bubble because no one else is going to breathe life into it. Um, yeah. And, and it sort of changes the way, you know, it, it changes the way you look at things. It changes the way you ask the questions of yourself and of others. Like I, I knew that no one was going to be like, yeah, girl, you got to do something different. And so I stopped asking. I mean, I don't think I ever really asked people for, you know, like I never asked for parenting advice. I, I, I never asked people what they thought of relationships I was in. Like I wasn't ever really one to look for social proof or external validation. Um, but this really kind of solidified it because I was just following me and I didn't, I had that sort of like compassionate, I don't care what you think. I care about you. But your opinion doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter. And I know that you're probably one of the rare few because I know for a lot, other people, I'm probably one of those included and I've broken free of a lot of that, but I lived most of my life seeking the approval of others. It was interesting. I never wanted permission. I wanted approval. Um, and so it's like, even when I messed up, I'm like, I want to know that it's okay that I messed up and I'm going to be okay. Um, and so I definitely um, admire that quality in you because I think that it's probably super rare to not care. But also I liked what you said and, and I talk about it all the time is you don't have to be broken to have a breakthrough, you know? And I think it's exactly what you're talking about here. It's, we have this, like, um, I call it like the Hollywood dire straits, you know, where it's like, we see it on film of just someone totally broken at their, you know, rock bottom. Like we've been talking about money's gone and the house is being foreclosed on They're you know, living on the streets and everything is just terrible. And we think that that's what has to look like in order to want something different or to seek help or, um, to be able to make change and it's just not the case. It's just really not the case. And I was in a very similar situation with my divorce, which I talk about a lot is that, you know, was our relationship perfect? No, nobody's was. Um, but it wasn't horrendously terrible either. Um, it just wasn't the right marriage for me, you know? And, people, I lost a lot of people in that divorce. And that's probably where I did the most growth was because, uh, so many people crucified me. I feel like for why didn't you make it work if it's not that bad and can't you just push through? And, you know, it's like, you have a kid now and you guys own a business, like be responsible and you had vows and that's a lot of pressure. Right. And so, I love everything you're saying and I feel like it deeply resonates with so many listeners that you just don't have to be broken and at the bottom to like, if you're having that little itch, it's okay to scratch it, you know, go for it. (laughs) I think, and I think it's important to say that what you do need is like a rock solid belief in either who you are or in what you want, you need some like rock solid belief to be, to, to ground you because 
other people, even if you're not asking, other people are going to give you their opinions. And so you need to have a thing that you can hang on to and be like, this is who I am. This is what I like. You have to, you have to be solidly grounded somewhere because those opinions are still out there. You're like, you're not building it on what other people think you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Ah, I love it. Love it. So we've been talking a lot about so many different things while keeping in this um, sort of bubble of parenting and motherhood and sort of thinking outside of the box and being true to ourselves. So what has either your, what's your favorite thing that you've either learned from motherhood or your favorite thing about being a mother? I mean, these little people are so interesting. They're so <laughs> They sure are. So I have a 10, 12, and 14-year-old. My kids are so different. Um, they're so different from one another. Um, <laughs> some of them have quirky things that are very similar to me that I recognize. As, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my husband has to deal with this from all of us. Um <laughs> The thing that I really love about it is is sort of the way that we it's like the way we get to take turns like being the sun. The way we get to take turns being centered in situations and like sometimes it's all about me and my husband, sometimes it's all about one kid, sometimes like we get to operate in this really interesting intimate way where it's us and and you're like these people's person and it just I don't know there's something really like magical about being this close to people and knowing knowing sort of what they need from you and how you can ask them for things like it's just there's so much there's so much room to like really step into the best kind of biggest person you can be. Um, yeah. You know, two of my two younger kids dance, um, my son and my youngest daughter and seeing their relationship in the, I mean, like they're the two that at home could be fighting and like total jerks to each other. But then I see them in like a moment where one of them's about to go and compete or one of them's about to take the stage or, and just this like camaraderie that they have. It's so, it's so interesting to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's like just seeing the way these relationships sort of like evolve and, and, um, yeah. And I also really like my kids. I think they're like, I like them. I enjoy spending time with them. <laughs> Maybe because I wasn't a stay yeah. mom. No, that's not true. Um, uh, you know what? I, I like really, uh, what I've realized is that I really, really enjoy my kids because we've created relationships that work for all of us. Like I don't yeah. have unrealistic expectations. And you're being you. Yeah, exactly. And I'm letting them be them. Um, so yes. we're able to all really enjoy each other's, the relationships we have with each other because no one's like, oh, but you're supposed to be doing that. Or you're supposed to like, no one's micromanaging, no one's controlling. Like we just get to be the people that we are. 
I've loved this conversation so much because I always said, I will never talk about motherhood. I'm not having a parenting podcast, even though I would say, I would say a good 85% of my Beam Life community are moms or, you know, that co-parent or they're in relationships with people who have children. So they have some kind of parenting role in their life. And, um, it's just like, it just never feels like I'm not like that excited to talk about motherhood, but something that's been really interesting for me is that I'm finding my tribe and my people. And that's people like you who speak about motherhood unapologetically. Like for the longest time, I can't tell you how bad I felt about saying like, I, I could have been a stay-at-home mom too in my last you know relationship. And I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. I want to go back to the business we own and I want to work and I, I love this. Like I want to be out with people and I don't want to do it. And it, and so many people again, but why you can. And I'm like, but I can also not. Um, (laughs) And so I, I'm so appreciative of honesty and vulnerability and just um, unapologetically being yourself and a mom and showing a different side of motherhood that to me feels really authentic and real and not Pinterest. Um, so it's nice. <laughs> I mean, I think we just all sort of need permission to like, to stop reading the books, to, to stop like thinking that there's a step-by-step way that we're supposed to do it and yes. to just listen to ourselves and trust ourselves more. And, you know, stop like all of the mom guilt comes from like trying to do it the way other people are doing it yes yeah absolutely so we've been talking about obviously like I said motherhood but also your book unboxed um besides this amazing book which I think everyone listening needs to get and I'll tag it in the show notes what are three books for you that have been just kind of milestones in this journey that we've been talking about and that you write in your book? Oh, goodness. Um, and it doesn't have to be three. It could be one. It could be five. You know, whatever comes to so, mind. So, <laughs> I mean, I think Brene Brown is amazing. Um, Any, anything Brene. Anything Brene. Like, I love Dare to Lead. Atlas of the Heart was, like, so, so good. I was, like, I read that on the beach yeah. in Mexico this past year and like kept taking pictures of it on my phone because I didn't like have a highlighter. Um, I will say, so the the husband of a friend of mine wrote um, The Weight of Air. Um, his name is uh, David Hoses. Um, he passed away a couple months ago, but his book about addiction and mental illness is like so incredibly powerful. And he's was such a beautiful writer. Um, and then I just read, what book did I just read? I just read, um, the anti-racist business book, which was written, um, by my actual, by my current business coach, um, Trudy Lebrun. And it's so good. It's like all about, um, well, yeah, it's the anti-racist business book, but it's it it's a yeah. lot of like concepts around sort of how to live as as a person who embodies your values um, more than anything else, whether whether you're in business or not. Um, 
I'm always really drawn to any book that prioritizes asking yourself questions and thinking about how you feel about things as opposed to a laundry list of like, these are the five things you do and then your life is fantastic. Um, So I'm always like a, you know, a more of a like in your head kind of thinking book as opposed to a step-by-step just do these things and magically your life will be amazing (laughs) yeah (laughs) I love it I love it well as I've said a million times I'm super grateful for this conversation and it was so much fun working on your book with you and now the world gets to read it and feel inspired by your stories. And so tell listeners the best place to get your book as well as where they can connect with you. So um, I am on Instagram. It's everything Lauren. Um, I have a website, everythinglauren.com. Um, I tend to buy my books on Bookshop. I have a favorite local bookstore that um, that supports so, um, yeah, so bookshop or, you know, bookshop.org or any of the regular places you buy books. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. You can see mostly my rambling words and sometimes pictures of my kids in dance costumes. Very, very occasionally you'll catch a glimpse of my 14 year old. Uh, but more often than not, it's, <laughs> it's me. I love it. Well, thank you. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And thanks for sharing this time with us, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks. This was so fun. You are the best, Bean Babe. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you love this episode, it would mean so much if you would share it with another Bean Babe or post it on social and tag me at The Beam Life so I can tell you thank you for helping me share the mission. You can also send me a text, yes, a real text, to 323-673-2709 where we can connect outside of the podcast. You can either chat with me one-on-one or just receive the weekly text I send to beam you up throughout your week. Anyways, it's been fun as always and I'm honored to be a part of your journey. Until next time, keep beaming, babe.